listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Let's get into God's Word here this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, as we begin this message series here today, and we are so glad to be able to join together and Wow, one of the things that I so disliked about the theater, as Brett said, were those reclining chairs and the way that the sound in there just got so muffled and to hear voices worshiping the Lord together today. What It's been a long time and thank you for singing and worshiping the Lord together in that way. And um, just, just a reminder too that... Um, that we have a room just in the elevator area for young families. If you have young kids, there's a monitor, and you can hear and see what's going on there. If you have kids that are maybe a little more restless and need a little attention in there, there is a place there for parents to go. And we're continuing to grow and develop in our Hope Kids ministry and and trying to come up with some creative ways to... um, to to even expand the Hope Kids ministry with the younger age in the weeks ahead. And so I'm just so thankful for all the work that has gone into um, transitioning our services from the parking lot to in here and getting things going. And as Brett said, it's been a busy place, a busy week. There are still kinks to work out, Lord willing, next week or the next week or the next week. Somewhere in there, we want to have some screens up here so that uh, we don't have to have, that we'll have the worships. Uh, lyrics there, so you don't have to be looking down and singing, but you can be looking up and and uh, just just trying to add to that. But some things just don't happen overnight, and it takes time. And 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 being a church on the move, being a, a church like in, in a movement of what we desire to be as a church, it means living with a certain degree of chaos. And that's especially going to happen if I'm your pastor and if Brett is 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 with me, and we've got these other people who can come alongside and and bring organ organization and help, and we're just so thankful for all of that. And uh, as a church, though, we want to be ready for what the Lord has next for us as a church. And we don't know what that is going to be. We're not setting down solid plans. We want God to continue to keep leading and directing, but we do know certain things that we're going for, and we want to be a part of his mission, seeing the gospel going forth in this city, in this region, and seeing lost souls saved, and seeing them disciples, and, 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 and training up leaders, and, and elders, and, and strengthening um, one another in the body of Christ, as well as seeing churches planted for the glory of God. And we're part of the GCC, or the Great Commission Collective. It's a church planting network and a family of churches together here in Canada and around the world. And we're excited that that just this week it's been announced we have four more church planters that are, are being raised up and getting trained up. And we're excited to see this happen. And the Red Deer plant that we've been supporting and praying for and getting updates on, we'll get another update soon. As soon as we have some screens, we'll have Chris give a little update. That church has started in this past year with everything that's been going on, and they are seeing God's growth, and we are and, and seeing God's just, um, just what God has done in their midst has been so encouraging to see that. But as I said, there's four new church plants announced this week that, Lord willing, will be taking place. And again, we don't have the screens up here, so I'll show you a picture. So here we have Dustin Crawford and his wife, Sherry. 
They are going to be planting a church, Lord willing, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Next, we have another wonderful picture of another family here. We have uh, the King family, not, 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 Breck, not surprising you yet, uh, Aiden and Jade King in Apex, North Carolina. We're not sending you down there. Uh, and, and anyway, so we have this, this family in North Carolina, and then we have a, a couple. They're a little more seasoned by the look of them, haven't met them yet, but Ben and Marcia, and they are planting in Austin, Texas. And uh, this is in your e-news, by the way, that you need to be reading on Fridays, that, uh, Fridays and Tuesdays. And uh, make sure you're staying informed on things. That would be wonderful. I would love one of those. And, uh, and then the last one, and this one's really exciting because some of you know this guy and you've met him. It's a smaller picture, but Kyle and Julie Hunter and their family have relocated to Edmonton, and Lord willing, there will be a church plant that is going to be un, in the works in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead, and there's going to be opportunities for us to get behind that work there in Edmonton. And so uh, we're just trusting the Lord that, that these plants will, will, will flourish and God will add uh, the right people and see the gospel continue on. But we're also praying for that here to see more churches planted here in the central Okanagan, in the north and the south, and here in British Columbia and western Canada. And so let's keep trusting the Lord for that, and that church planters and church plants would be raised up here, even a part of the work that God has called us to do. And let's face it, folks, we're living in interesting days. I mean, confusing days and troubling days. And, 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 and so we look to strength and we look for hope in the word of God. And, and we look also to his word for insight as far as what is going on. And, and it gives, God's word is our anchor and it gives us hope and it gives us direction. But it also gives us a peek into what is to come and how we can be prepared. You see, just as God's word prophesied and promised the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ hundreds, thousands of years before it even happened... We also have in God's word promises and prophecies regarding Jesus' second coming to earth, his return. And there's great warnings with that. And, and it's talked about as ever-increasing birth pains. Now, I've never experienced birth pains before. I did, however, want, no, I won't even go there. Because as far as I know, I've been in the room twice. And all I know is that it is something. And, uh, and, and, and what happens with birth pains, because I know, because I've been in the room, is that birth pains, they start up and they increase with intensity and frequency. And the Bible says that the return of Christ will be very similar. And, and, and the, this earth, for decades, centuries already, has started to experience those birth pains of his return, of his coming. And his return will bring life to those who are in Christ. But sadly, it will bring death and eternal separation from Christ who don't know him. And what we know about birth pains is that they will increase. They will increase with frequency. There will be increasing frequency, intensity, and visibility. God's word promises this will happen. Here are just some of the promises. This is in God's word that we have. We have scripture. We have chapter and verse for these things happening. God's word promises and prophesies that part of the birth pains and what we can see as we move towards the return of Christ is global knowledge. 
communication to increase. Did you know basically on this little device you can find almost anything that you need to as far as information in this information superhighway? You can shop, you can do crazy things just from here. And God's word promises and tells us that there's going to be this increase of global knowledge and communication. It's amazing right now. I told you that one Sunday that there was an audio issue. We were in Calgary that Sunday. There was a group... Church was happening here in the parking lot. I get a text message from India saying the sound was not working properly at our service here. And so I send a text message in the middle of church, but, but it was holy, um, sanctified use, I'm sure. I, I send it to, to Kelowna. They get it corrected, and, and then they say it's fixed. And, and then, then India tells me it's fixed. And, and Well, not India, but Vicky and, uh, in India. And, and it's just amazing how this communicate bouncing all over the world. And so God's word tells us. It, it talks about worldwide travel. Now, this past little while, we haven't seen as much of that. But before COVID, over 4.9 billion people traveled on this earth, and it promises this world travel becoming so much more common and, and available. Incredible weather extremes and phenomenons and, and disasters, and, and aren't we seeing that, what's taking place in our world even this past week? We, God's word talks about digital money and global tracking, and, and again, we're seeing that. It also talks the good news that there will be global evangelism, a spread of the gospel, and that's happening, praise the Lord. But it also talks about deadly violence. It talks about pestilence. It talks about diseases. It talks about pandemics. It talks about all of these different things that we are, are seeing and will continue to see in this world. Another thing God's word tells us about and, and that we see is that, and we're seeing it here in North America, and we're seeing it all over the world, but especially even here in Canada, the early stages of socialism developing in government which is at the heart and the root is a very satanic ideology. On some ends, it can sound so good and so wonderful, but no, it is a satanic ideology. And, and it will be that kind of rule, that kind of government rule that will be in place when the Antichrist appears. So we're seeing all of this happen. This is God's, God's word is his global warning system to us to wake up and get ready. And to examine our hearts. And, and, and yet, if we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Oh, the days ahead could get interesting, could get crazy, but we have nothing to fear. But we need to be aware of what's going on. What God's word says, what's going on around us. But we need to then be examining our lives. Not the lives of everyone else around us, but we need to be examining our own lives. And then we get about our Father's work. Priority one, be about our Father's work. Jesus said, so as my Father has sent I, so I send you. Martin Luther was a passionate, a passionate man about getting Christians back to Jesus. Getting them out of religion. Getting them out of rituals. Getting them out of dryness. And getting them to Christ. And he said, every generation must rediscover the gospel afresh. Every generation needs reformation or revival. And folks, we need both in our land and in our own lives and within the church of Jesus Christ. We need to get back to Jesus and rediscovering him. And it's not about just going through religious motions, little check marks here and there. We don't want to just do church as a good practice and a good, you know, sort of thing to have in our life. It makes me feel better. This series that we're digging into over the next number of weeks, Lord willing, called The Cost, The Follow, it's about examining our lives. It's about lining our lives up with what God's word has to say. 
and taking that hard look and then responding appropriately. Whether that's repenting of areas of sin, whether that's making minor or major adjustments or readjustments in our lives. And if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you can do that today and I hope that you do. And begin the adventure that God has made you for. If you are in Christ here today, and I believe many of you are, we need to then be asking this question today. Am I distracted or am I dialed? Am I dialed in? Am I distracted in my pursuit of Christ? Am I distracted in, 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 in the pleasures and the things of this world? Or am I dialed in to what God would have? Am I dialed into his plan and his mission? Am I distracted by the cares and the concerns and the pleasures and the passions of this world? Or am I dialed into Christ and his plan and his mission for my life? What does it mean for us to truly follow Christ? We need to be asking ourselves that question. What does it truly mean? What does it mean in a culture today? And, and in Christian culture today, you often hear, well, you just have to believe. John 3.16. I love John 3.16. There's no better verse in the Bible than John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. You just got to believe. Just believe. Just believe that Jesus lived and, and he died and that he rose again and that he was the son of God. Just believe. But you know what? Even the devil believes that. Because it's true. That, that's true. Even the devil believes what is true. Or we might just say, well, just pray the prayer. Here, just quickly. Just pray the prayer. Pray the prayer and you're in. Get that fire insurance from hell and then just continue to keep, you know, I'm scared. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So pray the prayer. And so we encourage people to pray the prayer and then just go and live your life now. Whatever you want. I want to ma maintain control over my life. Listen, that quote that you see on your sermon notes, and I hope you have your Bibles open and have that little guide there with you. Biblical Christianity, true discipleship is not simply a modest upgrade on our already self-defined designer lives. It's a whole new redirection. And so what is the cost? What is the follow? What does it mean to follow Jesus in 2021? What does a disciple of Jesus Christ look like? What does Jesus require of a disciple? What does it look like to be all in? Well, is it having good statements like we have and you see in your sermon outline there today? You know, being committed and knocking it out of the park, hitting the home run when it comes to the 5G life. And by the way, we had the 5G life thing going on before we heard this whole technology of 5G life. So I'm thinking of suing whoever. No, we're not. But, but just so you know, there's no copycat from there or anything. But, but the 5G life, it might be, yeah, I'm, I'm in you know, God time daily. I'm gather time on Sundays. I'm committed to that. Group time weekly, yes. Um, give time sacrificially. Go time regularly, yes. I'm doing all of that. Or, you know, and so, and then you're part of a, a church network and a church that is going hard after bold preaching, purposeful discipleship, fervent prayer, passionate worship, courageous evangelism, being a part of strategic church planting. That's all good. These are great practices, 5G life, and then these other just strong distinctives that we're a part of here in the Great Commission Collective here at Hope Bible Church. But all of these can easily just become religious activity. Just a bunch of busyness and have no life and actually be dying and dried up on the inside. So what is the cost? What is the follow? What does it mean to truly follow Jesus, to be all in? Well, the ultimate cost of discipleship was paid by Jesus himself. 
His cost was to be rejected by the Father at the cross. Something that you and I, if we are in Christ, we will never, ever have to experience the rejection of the Father. Our cost is to stop running, to stop running from the Father and to follow him. And it starts with our heart. It doesn't start with activity. It starts with our heart. And here in our text today in Matthew 16, we see what it means to be all in with Jesus. Now, in Matthew 16, things were looking pretty good for Jesus. He was trending. He was trending in the polls, popular opinion of him. It was just skyrocketing. Things were going really good with Jesus. And, 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 and his popularity with the people, with the Jews especially, and the disciples, I mean, these guys, messed up group of individuals following Jesus, but they were dialed in. I mean, they were there. And earlier in verse 13 of, of Matthew 16, you can take a look at that. You have Peter making this incredible confession. When, when Jesus says, hey, who, who do the people say I am? And he wants to know, okay, what are you guys thinking? And, and, and Peter just rattles off this statement, and he declares that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He makes this great declaration. And Jesus is like, whoa, Peter, right on, man. Peter, God revealed that to you. Someone doesn't come up to the, that kind of on your own. That was, that, Peter saw Jesus so clearly and was so on board with him, God illuminated Peter's mind. And he's this great mouthpiece for God. But as you keep reading, a few verses later, Jesus is huddling with his disciples together. And he tells them, hey guys, things are going to change. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be the cross. There's going to be a death. There's going to be a resurrection. And Peter's like, no way. No way. He says, far be it from me. That will never happen. Forget that. We've got a good thing going here. I mean, just look at it. We're finally going to right the wrongs. And, and we'll, as disciples, we'll have some pretty good positions in your cabinet too. And it, life is going to be great. And you see, in one moment, Peter was this great mouthpiece for God. Making a great declaration. And, 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 and this being revealed to him from God so clearly. And in the next moment, he's a mouthpiece for Satan. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus rebukes him in that way. You see, Peter didn't like Jesus' plan, especially if it involved a disruption to his plans. He didn't like Jesus' plan if it involved pain or suffering or rejection. He meant his plans, his goals, his dreams weren't going to happen now. And you know, I think there's a bit of Peter in all of us. I know there is in me. We can, we can like, we can want, we can follow Jesus. But it's best if it all goes according to my plan, my agenda. It's like we have one foot in with Christ. We have one foot in the church. I'm in. I'm all in. I go. I give. I serve a little or a lot, whatever it might be. But it's that other foot that is bent on my will and my way, my agenda. I'm the one that's going to ultimately maintain control of my life. I'm not going to let things get out of control. Loved one, that is the kind of Christianity that ultimately betrays Christ. When we are putting the halt and the stop on what God can and cannot do in our lives. It's this backdrop that Jesus speaks to his disciples here in verse 24 in our passage today. That's already been read, but we're going to read it again. 
And this is what Jesus speaks to his disciples then, and he speaks to his disciples now about being all in. And here we see the cost of being a disciple. This is what it means to be an all-in follower of Christ. Then and today. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, notice underlining your Bibles the word anyone. I mean, this is for everyone. This isn't just for, you know, the 12. This is for anyone, Jesus is saying. This is the entrance. This is the way. This is the key. This is the foundational step. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And when... And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Four questions that every follower of Christ needs to be asking themselves. Or if you're not a follower yet, you still need to be asking yourself these questions. The first question is, whose authority am I under? Who's calling the shots in my life? In other words, have I surrendered to Christ's authority? Have I counted the cost of what it means to be a follower? Verse 24. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny myself? No. Take care of myself. I think of myself. It's my wants, my needs. It's the I, me, my. The unholy trinity in our lives. I'm the one calling the shots. And our culture teaches us and, and grooms us to do this. It screams out to focus on yourself, all this self-love and self-care. And, 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 just, you know, and, and we get pulled into this kind of thinking. It doesn't matter what, what happens with others around me. It's about me and what I feel and what I know. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me. Jesus is saying here, he's offering real life, real grace, real mercy, real forgiveness. He's offering pres his presence and his power and his peace. And the promise of heaven, he's offering all of this. But he says it starts, the starting step is by denying ourselves. Surrendering my rights, my authority, my life, my family, my finances, my relationships. It's all given over to him. First step, Jesus is saying. It's a declaration of saying, Jesus is Lord. I know this isn't super popular to talk this way. Because it doesn't necessarily build an audience. We're not interested in building an audience here at Hope Bible Church. We're interested in making disciples, and we don't make them. God makes them, but we are faithful in the process to allow God to work. And so we say the tough words, the hard words, the hard truths. And this is what Jesus says. It's not what Melvin says. This, you read it for yourself. You bring your Bible, you read it. This is what Jesus said. This is entrance level. Starts here. Yeah, but don't you just have to believe? I was, you know, and, and, and we hear churches sadly here in this city. Oh, just believe. Oh, I believe. What does that believe mean? Well, Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do you see that word in there? Underline it. The Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31, he has to be the Lord. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It means getting down low before him and saying, Jesus, your Lord, your master, your king. 
That's where salvation begins and, 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 and gets its root, it gets its start. There has to be a time in every one of our lives, if we are truly in Christ, where we, you have made that authority shift from me to he. I'm no longer in charge. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you are Lord. I'm no longer fighting against you. I surrender. Problem is, we keep wanting to take it back, don't we? When did you begin in your life, and how is it continuing for Jesus to be Lord? You miss this, you miss it all. You miss this, you're just going to go through the spiritual motions. You miss this, you go to hell when you die. Not my words, that's God's. You can ask Jesus into your heart a thousand times. But when did Jesus get your heart? When did he get your surrender? It's making Jesus Lord over every part of our lives. This isn't just a one and done thing. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a daily surrender moment by moment. Because we're going to keep wanting to take it back and we have to keep giving it back to him. Perhaps you gave your heart to Jesus months, years, or decades ago. But if you were to be honest, you came into church this morning and you feel dry. You're watching online and you're just kind of like, I, you know what, I'm, I'm tuning in today. And I hope I get hit with something because, man, it's just like I'm spinning the tires. There's a lack of joy. I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with anger. Is there a time that you were like Peter where you made the great declaration? But then like Peter, you turned on a dime and you said, that will never happen. Far be it from me, Lord. That there was a prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life to obey, to follow. But you said, this will never happen. Far be it from me. Maybe it is to forgive that person who hurt or offended you. Who spoke terribly to you, who bullied you. You say, I'm not forgiving them. And right in that moment, it is that Split second, you are turning on a dime and you are saying, far be it from me, Lord. I will never do that. Or to come clean in a certain area of your life or practice. Or maybe it's being prompted and you see biblically or the Holy Spirit is prompting to get out of a certain relationship and you won't do it. Or maybe it's to quit your job and to go into full-time ministry. Maybe it's to make a move. Maybe it's to honor your spouse biblically. Maybe it's to get baptized and you said, no, far be it from me, Lord. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Maybe it's the call to go to Bible college, to go into missions, to go around this world. Maybe it's a call to stop spending your money on the way that you want and start giving and, and, and honoring God in all areas of your life, including your finances. You see, there's certain areas that we all lock in. It's going to be different for each one of us. And we can have the right theology, just like Peter making this great statement, but then on a dime we say, far be it from me. Or is there an area in your life or in your practice daily where you've just gotten out of step with God and his word and you're thinking, that's not a big deal. Other people are doing it. It's not a big deal. Maybe you even reasoned yourself into thinking, 
you know, I kind of get a special exemption because I'm kind of like a snowflake. There's no one quite like me. And so, you know, like, like I can get away with this. You know, I'm, you know, I know what God's word says and I know it isn't right. But, you know, like Jesus and I have an understanding. His word's not going to change. God's word will not change. His word is true. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not that special little exemption. Maybe it's that call to restore the relationship with someone else. Or maybe it starts with restoring that relationship with him. And when we do, that joy and the life and the power and the victory will come. Get back with Jesus. Get under his authority. Second question, am I ready? Am I willing to suffer? Second question for all in followers of Jesus Christ is being ready to suffer. Look at verse 24. Partway through, it says, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, today we have the cross, and, and, and I love having it every Sunday. We, it's just like we have to have the cross. It's not like, you know, it's not a good luck charm or anything like that, nothing. But it's a reminder to us of what Christ has done. Today, the cross is a picture of beauty, of significance. We sing about it, the old rugged cross. We love the cross. We love to, to have these reminders, whether it's on stage or perhaps on a, on a pendant, on a necklace, or in our homes or in our cars. We, we like to have that reminder. But in Jesus' day, the cross wasn't romanticized like we have it today. They didn't hang it around their necks. No, they were hanging from crosses. It caused fear and sadness and pain. It was an instrument of torture and death. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be ready to suffer got to be ready to take up your cross and he's being upfront with them he's saying it won't be easy but it will be worth it yes there will be times of great joy and laughter but it won't all be great and giggles all the time take up the cross means we need to be ready to suffer we live in a worldly system that is not going according to the word of god and many of the things that are celebrated and championed today in our world it's not championed by Christ or the word. And we cannot allow ourselves to, to, to just kind of, you know, fade into that and just to allow it to assimilate into our thing. There's times where we're going to be taking those stands. Are we willing to put his cross on our back? Taking up our cross is about death to our pride, to our reputation. At times we may feel like we're being mistreated. At times we may feel like we're just being treated like a servant or a slave. Well, when you look at what Christ did for us, that's not such a bad thing. And at times we will be treated poorly. Awful things may be said about us, but we don't retaliate. Look at Jesus when they said false things about him, things that weren't untrue. He remained silent before his accusers. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, he's saying, I've, I've surrendered myself to his authority. Now look, it, it goes on to say, it, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we are dead, it allows his life, his breath, his spirit to come into our lives and to fill us and to use us. His power, his strength, his victory. And listen, with God there is life. On the other side of death, there is life with God. Without God, on the other side of death, there is no life. 
With God, there's resurrection power. We see that in the life of Christ. On the other side of even our own surrender, on the other side of our death to our reputation, our wants, our needs, our death to self, our control, there's life and there is joy and there is victory. And ultimately, heaven is a reward. Am I ready to suffer? Take up my cross. And for each one of us, the cross that we're going to carry is going to look quite a bit different. It might be because of painful circumstances that we had no choice over or painful circumstances from the past that we did have choice over. And yet there will be God's grace and strength as we carry that cross daily. And so we continue on in this way. And, 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 and the third all-in question, we, we need to ask ourselves, am I committed to truly following Christ? To take up the cross and follow me, Jesus says. He says, follow me. Am I committed to following him? See that in verse 24. And the question we need to ask, am I following Jesus, his word, and his ways in every area of my life? And the follow, it's going to look quite a bit different for each one of us. For some of you, it's going to be about going to your neighbor and sharing the gospel. Others of you, it's going to mean going around the world in a faraway land to share the gospel. For some, the follow means to get out of a relationship. For some of you, the follow is going to mean get into a relationship. The follow is going to mean to use your money this way or in that way. It's going to be different for each one. But when we surrender, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you know what he promises? He's going to fill in all the gaps. You might just say, this looks like just a lot of losing for me. A lot of giving up. Yeah, it is. But our God, when fully surrendered to him, he then says, now I got you where I want you. Now, you're in a position for me to bless you. For me to empower you, strengthen you, to restore the joy of your salvation. That's what he promises. Am I allowing him to take the lead? Allowing him access, control to every area of our life? Because look at what it says in verse 25. It says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. God provides for us as we keep our eyes fixed on him. God's word tells us that the life we have with him is far more abundant, far more joy-filled than we could have ever have and experience if we continue to keep holding on to our own. You can't surrender and let go and have more joy in your life and more blessings in your life because he's the God of the universe. And so we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, we follow. Living the self Directed life where you are in charge is to miss out on the quality of life and the purpose that God has for you here on this earth. And this leads us to our fourth and last question. Am I living for the temporal or for the eternal? That's what it says there, end of verse 25, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Remember, the return. Christ is going to return. He's coming. He's coming. The birth pains, frequency, visibility, intensity. It's happening. It's happening. He's going to come. 
And he's going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And he will repay each person according to what he has done. Happening, it's come just as as Jesus first coming to earth. His birth was prophesied and talked about and happened. What we read in God's word is going to happen. Here's the reality now. Live now, only to die later. Work and strive with all your might. And some of you are doing it. You're trying to squeeze out of this life all that you can, only to be lost for eternity. Or die now, only to really live now and for eternity. The choice is yours. Live now, only to die later. Die now in order to really live now and for eternity. But the love of money, the wealth, comfort, power, reputation, it's going to pull so many people away from God and it's doing that. From living that truly fulfilled life that God promises. And God promises that he will reward each one with eternal blessings and rewards. But so sadly, we sell ourselves out. We get our eyes fixed on all the things in this world. And you just have to drive around and you see all the fancy cars. I keep seeing all these car dealerships going up and even one I can see out the door there. And I'm like, all these, like, it's crazy. And, and it's so easy to become so consumed by all the wants and the desires, the temporal. And yet it comes, real life is found only in Christ. I don't know, how many surgeries have you folks had? How many can hold up with a hand? Like, how how many of you have had more than one surgery? Yes, I see that hand. All right, how many of you had more than five surgeries? Okay, we have a few, few of you folks. How many have a surgery upcoming? Anyone? Anyone? No one? Okay. Anyways, I've had three surgeries in my life. One of them, I was three weeks old, pyloric stenosis, super rare condition. If not treated, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been a good thing for me. Um, I don't remember much about that because I was three weeks old. So, you know, I, I kind of get a pass on that one. But the other two I do remember, a little kind of. Um, uh, one, they used local anesthetic. And, 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 and it was really interesting because, um, I mean, I was having the time of my life. I was just like, and, and, and it, was, it was good. Like, I'm not feeling a thing. And, and, and I'm cracking jokes with the doctor and his assistant. And, and then I say, hey, do you have a mirror? I'd love to see what you're doing. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm asking questions, and, and he turns and says, I've never had such a good time doing this before, you know? And, and I'm like, yeah, you know. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't feeling so good. <laughs> and, and I remember telling him, you know, I, 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 think, I think I'm just going to put my head down. I think I'm just going to be quiet for a while. <laughs> I'm even getting lightheaded thinking about it even now, you know? Like it was, what was I thinking? And the doctor's, yeah, 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 you're fine. I, I mean, afterwards, I just wanted to puke my guts out. Like, it was so bad. Like, it was just, what was I doing? The other surgery, they knocked me right out. And I'm like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not. Look. And then you're out. And the next thing you're waking up, you're coming too, right? And, and that's the way it works. You see, the doctor didn't need my help in any of those surgeries. He didn't need, need my wisecracks. He didn't need my suggestions. He didn't need my commentary, although I think he was amused uh, buy it for a while, and then probably more amused at how white I turn. Um, but you know what? Surrender is a lot like that. It's allowing Jesus full control. It's like I'm all in.
allowing him to work in us, healing, restoring, redirecting us. This summer I was reading the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Not an easy read, challenging read, The Cost of Discipleship. It's a book about seeking and following Jesus as our sole concern, and he gave his life in his service for God. And Jesus calls us to follow him in the mundane and in the complex realities of life. Not just in the big areas, but in the mundane little areas of life. And that following Jesus, he reminds us, is not safe. It's not static, nor is it predictable. Yet a life truly surrendered to Jesus Christ is where we find the fullness of joy. And in chapter 5, he wrote about Abraham going up to Mount Moriah in obedience and surrender. When God told him, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to be all in. I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham, he takes God at his word. And one of the things when you read that story, it says he got up when? That would have been a good morning to sleep in. That's a good morning to have brunch, you know, or maybe a late afternoon walk up. No, it says early the next morning, the next full of being, he gets up early the next morning and he starts walking up that mountain. And he walks up that mountain, he takes God at his word and he's ready to obey. And at that moment of surrender, it was all given back to him. He received back his son. But you know what? Everything changed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer points out Christ had stepped between father and son. Outwardly, coming down the mountain, nothing changed. But the old was passed away, and behold, all things were made new. Everything had to pass through Christ. You can walk out of here 10 minutes from now, and you'll look very much the same. Some of you, we could use upgrades, right? You know, and, and you're not going to get that physical upgrade here necessarily today. But you can walk out of here and everything can be different. Because Christ has now become between you and everything else. It's Christ that you're living for. Everything had to pass through Christ. For us today, everything must pass through him. Has your life passed through Christ initially? And is it happening continually today? Or have you taken back areas? Have you turned on a dime and said, that will never happen, God. I will not do that. Have you surrendered your life initially? If not, I trust you would do that today. You would make him your Lord and Savior. We have some packets over here. I'd be happy to give you one of those. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can even receive Jesus Christ today. Perhaps you're just in the early investigation stages of, re of discovering Jesus. We'd like to walk with you in that. But perhaps today you've stalled. You've made a commitment to follow Jesus. But there's an area or areas in your life and you say, uh-uh, no way, not yet, not now, not ever, not going to happen. Are there areas you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow? I'd encourage today as the band comes up at this time and gets ready to lead us as we're going to pray. For you to be all in. And today to be all in, I'd encourage you, many of you, to move with your feet. To come up towards the front here. Moving with your feet and saying, I'm all in, no matter the cost. This isn't about taking political stands or anything like this. This is about our heart changed towards God. I'm all in to do what needs to happen. 
Jesus, you have my life. Whether it's for salvation for the first time or it's surrender to him because it's been a long time. And you need to surrender a person, a situation, a family, your future, your hopes, your finances, your hurts, your failures, and say, I'm all in. I surrender it to you today, Jesus. We're going to sing a song that talks about, hey, if I've got Jesus, I've got it all. How could I want more? And sadly, we settle for thinking we need so much more. But when we have Jesus, when he transforms us, we have it all. And the love of God calls us and compels us to higher and to greater realities of surrender. So today, move with your feet. You're going to stand in worship. You're going to stand for prayer and stand in worship. And then if God's calling, you say, I'm all in. If it's about a relationship with Christ, I'm going to be down around here and say, I'd love one of those packets. I'd like to know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. I'd like to make him my Lord and Savior today. And as we sing, let's declare all that he has done. Let's respond, church. Let's respond to him. And so, God, we pray that just as you told the disciples, in order to follow you, we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow. And it's then believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what you did on the cross, how you suffered and died. You came to this earth to die in our place. And when we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and we say, I want to follow you, Jesus, your power, your strength, your grace, your forgiveness is imparted into us, and we become the righteousness of Christ. But then we walk around in a dirty world, in a messed up world, and even in our own mind and thinking we get dissuaded and we allow corruption and stuff to, to settle into our lives and we need to shake off the dust. We need to break free and say, I'm all in. God, would you move in our hearts, in our church here today, whether people are online, whether they come for the next service of God, we pray that you would work in us. We would walk out of here and say, something's changed. Surrender to Jesus Christ anew and afresh in my life. I'm all in. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Let's stand together and worship and respond to him today.